Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Big day for the program. We are live in Florence, Alabama for Fox Sports Shoals. Welcome to Outkick 360, all things NFL, all things SEC, college football, and a lot of in between. A big NFL weekend. We're going to recap that and much, much more. David Reed, the chairman of the board, Jacob Swanson. And Jonathan Moulton making the show happen for us as well. Gentlemen, we are live on the radio and across the Outkick Network. Nothing that makes it feel more official than the sweet, sweet voice of David Reed counting you in to start the show, as we had here before. Big day for the show. Uh, for the show. Welcome to everyone listening in Muscle Shoals, Alabama right now. Uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, you can still hear us. Other announcements coming very soon uh, with this Outkick 360 radio network. Pleased to be here, boys, and pleased to have a full slate of both college and NFL games to discuss today. Headphones back on. A little different feel. More radio-y. We are live from 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer, and we start with a big day across the National Football League. Here locally in Nashville, the Tennessee Titans uh, blown out by the Arizona Cardinals. We'll discuss that and much more coming up in the Tennessee Power Hour, and we'll talk Titans and Cardinals as part of our NFL discussion as well. Um, and then across the league, Chiefs and Browns lived up to the billing, the Saints throttle the Packers in Jacksonville a lot to discuss guys and what was and always is a week one of disruption because we go in with this preconceived notion that oh the Packers and the Chiefs and the Browns and the Bills and the Titans are going to be really really good and while the Browns and the Chiefs had to play each other and someone had to start 0-1 today the Packers are 0-1 the Titans are 0-1 the Browns are 0-1 the Bills are 0-1 there, there's a lot of fan bases today that are thinking, oh, what just happened? The Browns browned ultimately with the, with the muffed punt snap, which uh, just gets dropped really with no pressure or problem and turns into a horrific uh, ending for Cleveland when they were standing toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. Jameis Winston, who you called for uh, to, to have a great revival this year, had a spectacular five-touchdown game. And I think I said I, I could see Houston coming out of the AFC South's first weekend in first place. And lo and behold, they played really well against the Jaguars, who were really bad. And the Titans and Colts both struggle out of the gate. And uh, AFC South is upside down for the moment. I, I think there's so many overreactions that you know everyone's going to make today, and it's always the case after the first week of the NFL season. One thing that you can't really overreact to, and I think is going to be a constant theme, that NFC West is killer, top to bottom. What we saw with the Rams and Matthew Stafford and what he looks like in that McVay offense 
Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. He is elite, and he was so again on the road in Indy. The Cardinals just completely curb stomping the Tennessee Titans in every facet of the game. Kyler Murray looking like another Russell Wilson, the way he played. Uh, The 49ers, I know it got sticky late for them in Detroit, uh, but what a division that NFC West is going to be all year. I I don't think it could get any – I mean, San Francisco really had to stick that out, and Detroit's not very good. I don't think it'll ever be ever any better for Arizona than it was today. That's as well as Kyler Murray could play. That's as well as Chandler Jones can play. That's as productive as either of them can be. Maybe they can sustain. I mean, Chandler Jones isn't sustaining five sacks a game. Uh, but that's as disruptive as he can be. The Titans played right into it. And Kyler Murray was, was fantastic. If he sustains that, he's going to be in MVP conversations. Well, the thing about Kyler Murray is for the first time in his career – he, he had, I believe, five or six passes of over 20 yards, but only one of them was for 20 or more yards in the air. For the first time in his career, he had a stat line like that. He's always had to throw you know, bombs away, and yesterday was more run after the catch. That is a, that, that's the type of offense that they can dial up now that we haven't seen before because they have some speed at receiver, and they have DeAndre Hopkins uh, who is making spectacular catches, plus Murray on the edge. He is their run game. Yeah, and this wasn't just guys wide open for him after he scrambled around. I mean, even on his ridiculous scramble where he went all the way to the right, had guys falling down, went all the way back to the left, had guys falling down, and threw to Rondale Moore for an 18-yard gain, there, was, there were guys around Rondale Moore. One of the Christian Kirk uh, touchdown catches was to uh, on, on Kevin Byard pretty tightly covering him. The first touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins, he was covered pretty tightly on the back line. So he was running around and still hitting guys who were pretty well covered. It wasn't this thing where, oh, he runs around and the coverage falls off so badly that he then doesn't have to throw accurately. He can just hit wide open guys. He had some of those too. But it was a combination of the two. I was very, very impressed by him. It's hard not to be. Well, you know, it's a really good day when five touchdowns by the quarterback, four passing, one rushing, is then followed by a question of who had the better day, him or Chandler Jones, on defense. Uh, that's how good of a day it was for the Cardinals. Chandler Jones was – I mean, he's a, obviously, you knew going in, a very good player. That was an amazing performance by him and the Cardinals. And for Taylor Lewan. That was Will's VTech-type Titans offensive line play by him. It's one thing to get not beat an exaggeration. by a really good player a couple times. Then he checked out of the game. It's going to happen. Yeah. That was a complete embarrassment. And that looked like someone who was called up from the practice squad, not one of the highest-paid players on your team. I that had, was ridiculous. I had a lot of people at my website who wanted to talk. I, I read about the Titans who wanted to talk about David Questenberry as a right tackle. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, you oh, he know, sucked too. yeah, he, you know, but you're expecting him to be bad. It, I mean, our whole offseason conversation was about how you plug Taylor Lewan back in. You don't have to worry about the left side. You had to worry like crazy about the left side yesterday. He was horrific. And then for cramps to take him out for two series while he's riding the bike seemed like he tapped out, said, I, I need some recovery time here. Let's put in Kendall Lamb to go out there and be a sacrificial lamb for, for two series and go get beat up by Chandler Jones for a while. It was, it was a pathetic showing. Your best player, uh, one of your best players against one of their best players, you need it to be a wash. 
at, at worst, right? And then go worry about other things. That was, this was not close to a wash. This was a beatdown, an embarrassment for the Titans, an embarrassment for Lawan, who, uh, you know, writes a tweet looking for maybe a little bit of sympathy, like, uh, you showed me how bad I am, now I need to go out and be better. If he's not better, Titans are in big trouble. Lawan sends out a lot of uh, taking taking responsibility tweets um he sends out about three of those a season yeah it's so, time for him not to be a conversation topic yeah. most good left tackles are not a conversation Look, topic unless you're saying wow he made the the defensive guy coming at him a non-conversation topic left tackles are allowed to give up sacks he was <clears throat> a liability like yesterday liability uh, and we'll get into further detail of the, of the titans issues and there are plenty of them uh coming up in the show the browns they I was trying to think of what it might be like in the postgame locker room in Kansas City. Uh, if you've never been to Arrowhead Stadium and, and seen like live footage of what that visiting locker room is like, it is cramped, uh, it's steamy, <laughs> it's not pleasant. And they went into the locker room at halftime up big, knowing that they can compete, knowing they have the formula to play with the Chiefs because they did that in their previous game before they were knocked out of the postseason last year. They go in at the halftime break leading and come back out and watch the Chiefs win 33-29. to And so, so many things went well for Cleveland yesterday. And they go back into that locker room postgame and look around and think, what just happened? What did Patrick Mahomes just end up doing? Because even some really ill-advised passes for Mahomes end up working so well down the stretch of that game, as it always tends to do. Patrick Mahomes, and you're going to hear this a lot across the country today, in the month of September, it's, his stat line is insane. 11 starts, he's 11-0, 3,600 yards passing, 35 touchdowns passing to zero interceptions in the month of September for his career. Um, and, oh, by the way, they went 9 of 13 on third down yesterday against that Browns defense. He, um, and the one swing play... He runs all the way over to the right sideline, throws back to the middle of the field to Tyreek Hill, who somehow has walled off a, a defensive back who can't make a play, and it, it opens, opens the game back to Kansas City's side, right? That and this muffed punt that I mentioned earlier where the punter can't catch a snap that hits him in the hands. Those two plays unwind this game for, for the Browns, who were right there. And, and could have maintained control of this game. And it, it, it happens like that for the Chiefs. Boom, boom, two plays, and the whole thing is back. The, the whole Arrowhead Stadium is tilted back towards their bench, and, and they're, they're in control. Not a bad showing still for Cleveland to say this, we're, we're there with This them. is not the same old Browns. Stefanski no, and Bill Callahan had a great plan. And what we're feature, going back and watching some of this game last night, what they're featuring are more sprint outs. They, are, they, they took advantage of the Chiefs' aggressive defense, um, it, it, known for trying to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. They took full advantage of that and busted out with that lead. The Chiefs are elite. The Browns are chasing them at their heels right now. They can play again yeah, very easily. Yeah, and I, I, I don't view that 0-1 start. You guys know I'm a full believer, and it's not if you lose, it's how you lose. Yesterday, the Browns – showed us a lot despite the loss at Arrowhead. Well, I'm watching the Browns, guys, and it's not a, a question of, you know, the elite Kansas City Chiefs and then a slight step back in a team like the Browns. I, th- that was a toe-to-toe type loss for the Browns. 
And as that game's going on, I'm thinking, why was I not higher on the Browns going into the season? Because they look every bit the part of Kansas City. Now, you got to go out and prove it. You know, the Chiefs are a team that's been to back-to-back Super Bowls. They won one of them. The Browns are going to have to get to that level before I just declare that they're right there with the Chiefs. But when you watch those two teams head-to-head, there's not a big difference between those two. The Browns belonged. They showed it. I watched both of those quarterbacks. I have a hard time not loving both Mahomes and Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield lead blocking on a reverse (laughs) is one of the reasons that I just can't help but love Baker Mayfield. Then you go to the commercials during the break. He's a very likable dude. Uh, He has kind of got that Peyton Manning type personality uh, from a commercial standpoint uh, that you see with the at home with Baker Mayfield commercials during almost every commercial break during an NFL game. Uh, But I'm watching that Browns team and looking at the talent. And then you, you factor in that, you know, Ronnie Harrison was kicked out early in that game for shoving a coach. That's a great football team. Did, was, was Mayfield trying to throw the ball out of bounds and the defender clipped his heel and forced the pass to stay inbounds for, on that interception? I didn't read if he had a good, think, good answer on I'm that. Not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I didn't read if he had a good answer on what he was doing on that, Romo if he thought, said after the game. Romo thought initially in live – Romo was great yesterday. Um, he, he thought – he's like – Baker is trying to get rid of this football and throw it out of bounds. And it was an ill-advised pass that was his one mistake. But under the pressure, he had that guy clip his foot. And it maybe torqued him in a way where he kept the ball. I don't know. I I couldn't tell. Uh, Baker said as much. He said he was trying to force the ball out of bounds there. That was the one mistake. And then the punter dropping that that snap. That was old Browns. Well, the problem was not just the the drop, but he had time. It was very well protected. Could have hit it again. And he had time to to punt it. And instead he He freaked out and tried to run. It felt like 12 guys. Hit us up on social media at OutKick360. You can also uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. There is where you can find us and follow along live. And uh, you can join us across the OutKick network. Coming up, we get into a, a variety of topics across the NFL. Saints throttling the Packers. Seahawks with a big win on the road against the Colts. Plus, Dolphins and Patriots comes down to the wire will tell you why the Patriots could not seal the deal and what Belichick's talking about today with his team. All of that and more at NFL Monday Recap across the league here on OutKick 360. Hang with us. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Steelers over the Bills yesterday, 23-16. Buffalo no balance. They threw the ball 51 times against that Steelers defense. They had six holding penalties, and that drew the ire of fans who hit the exits upset. A lot like what happened here at Nissan Stadium across the river. We broadcast live each and every day, 6th and Peabody, here at downtown Nashville behind the Music City Center with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. That was one of the upsets. Big Ben... And the Steelers' offense, slow out of the gates. They had barely 60 yards of total offense at halftime. Uh, And then they averaged seven yards per play in the second half, which shows you NFL teams are capable of turning things around for the third and fourth quarters of games. Yes. And the Bills are not generally concerned, though they're striving to be more balanced, but they're not 
they're not worried if if Allen is carrying the load and and throwing. Zach Moss was inactive for that game, who's a big part of their <clears throat> offensive backfield. So they're all right with that. But well, they've talked um, all offseason about wanting to be more. Balanced. Yeah, wanting to be they more balanced to. And, and wanting to have more of a pass rush. Two things that didn't necessarily show up over the full body of work in that game. They've got to hold on to the lead better and, and stay in control of the game, which they failed to do. That's another one of those games, though, that a week one matchup, much like the Browns-Chiefs game, you know, Buffalo loses that game and you don't feel like, oh, my God, they're in trouble. The way the Titans lose that game and the fashion in which the Titans lose that game and you think that could be a harbinger of trouble. I don't think you come out of the Bills losing to the Steelers or the Browns losing to the Chiefs and feel like it's any kind of significant dent and what the Bills or the Browns may do. Chad, you, uh, for those new to, the, new to the show, Chad has family members who are huge Bills fans. What do you think post-game? They jump at the tables. What do you think post-game was like? Well, judging by Drunk. the silence on the family text exchange, yeah. <laughs> really from everyone, you know, a lot, most of the family's uh, Titans fans, then I've got the brother-in-law who's a big Bills fan. Typically, there's a lot of happy talk on Sunday. Boy, football is back. This is great, guys. Let's get it going. Fun week. Let's watch Sunday Night Football now that our teams have won. Uh, it was all silence. Radio silence. Now that we are, are starting a, a radio network. It was, it was an radio honor. silence honor of us. on the text exchange uh, from Buffalo. I would like to get a count of how many tables were broken by Western New Yorker bodies. Did you see the gates yesterday? In the fourth quarter? I saw uh, Sal Palantonio there during uh, the ESPN pregame at different tailgates. And he even started out at a house close to the stadium in Orchard Park. And Bills fans were fired up. Um, I, I, I think a lot about... Bills fans and Browns fans, and just the constant struggle it is many years to be a fan of both of those teams, and excitement coming into a new season where there's such lofty expectations, and they're both 0-1 this week, but how much different both those losses feel to both of them, right? Yes. I mean, the Bills loss, Hutton, you said it earlier, sometimes it's not if you lose, it's how you lose. The way the Bills lost that game to Pittsburgh and the way they look compared to the way Cleveland looked on the road in Kansas City. Two very distinct and different feelings coming out of those games. And I'll also uh, give myself a little pat on the back right now. How about my Steelers? Uh, not, not to overreact too much after one week, but uh, I had them going to the playoffs this year. That is a franchise that, once again, they have an identity. They play great defense. They've got a lot of depth on defense. I think they showed a lot of that yesterday. Well, I think certainly no shame, though, in losing to the Steelers as the Bills. Well, uh, according to the I national media, the, Bills, the Steelers, though, it's, the Steelers team shame. is terrible, according to the national media. No one's expecting the Steelers to do anything. I was the only one on the show to pick the Steelers to go to the playoffs. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's not a lot of lofty expectations now, with the Steelers I this bet, year. I bet money line on Steelers and Saints yesterday. And the reason for... I thank you for that, because I also bet money line on the Saints after your recommendation. The reason for the Saints is everyone's hyping up the, 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 the Green Bay Packers. No one's talking about how well-coached, how well-coached, yeah. well, not on Friday... How well coached Sean Payton will have his team ready to go. The game's in Jacksonville. There was just this malaise on that matchup. Now, Pittsburgh, on the other hand, Paul's right. It is all defense. And there was a jailbreak on a punt block that really sparked everything that allowed Pittsburgh to win this game. But here's the final four drives for Pittsburgh yesterday. 231 yards, 13 first downs on the final four possessions. That's after they started the game with 22 yards and three first downs on their first 14 plays. Yeah, where's Buffalo's defense six down the stretch? That's 14 terrible. plays. 
That's terrible defensive effort for the Steelers down the stretch. Pass rush or no pass rush, depending on whatever, uh, they need to be a better defensive team than that at the end of a game when they've had a good degree of control up until then. And so, conversely, it's a great job by Pittsburgh figuring yes. things out and getting rolling. Now, Green Bay Packers fans are feeling like Titans fans today with yeah, the way the that game went. The two worst losses in the league. Um, it's a home game for New Orleans and Jacksonville. Winston with five touchdown passes. He played very well. The Saints offensive line, though, is the MVP. They are outstanding. It, it, they, other than – I'm trying to think of the other great offensive lines in football. It, it, Cleveland comes to mind. Dallas. Indianapolis. Good. Uh, when healthy, Dallas. New Orleans has wasn't it. good yesterday. New Orleans has it. Um, and and Indy, Indy's is, is banged up already. But New Orleans has the top line in the league. And against that Green Bay uh, rushing attack, they got nothing going against Winston. And, and it showed. He had plenty of time. He made the right decisions. There was one play in the second half where he has I – mean, he could have stood there for 10 seconds. Nothing was open. It was great coverage. It wasn't like it was a big play. And for the first time and maybe forever, I saw Jameis Winston throw the ball away. I didn't yeah, see him and force a pass. he said that was his favorite play of the game to Peter King in his column this morning. Yeah, right. it, Peter King had some really good notes from Jameis Winston uh, in, his, in his weekly column. And that's the one that jumped out to me was asked what his favorite play was. He talked about that one where in practice he threw that and he tried to force it in and make a play and it was picked off. And this time he threw it away. And that was the, the most important thing. Also, an interesting note where they had this coach quarterback meeting going into the game. The dot meeting. The dot meeting where basically Sean Payton goes through the play sheet and the quarterback, which was Drew Brees for years, goes through and highlights the plays he likes the most. And Jameis Winston was saying he liked every play from Sean Payton. And Sean Payton said, it's, it's no point in having a meeting <laughs> if you don't tell me what you like and don't like. Don't say you like every play. And Jameis Winston's response was, well, if you designed it, I think it's going to work. There is something about total trust in a coach from a quarterback. I don't think that Sean Payton has total trust in Jameis Winston yet. It's impossible to have that after one game, especially given his track record for poor decision-making. But Jameis Winston and his love of Sean Payton going back to his middle school years and the fact that he was willing to sign up to go be a backup because it was Sean Payton and because of the way Sean Payton coaches quarterbacks and because of his success with that offense, I think that goes a long way. It's why I picked the Saints to go to the playoffs this year. I don't think it's always going to look like that. I mean, that's probably a bit of an outlier, the way they just completely housed the Green Bay Packers. But I'm expecting more good things from Jameis Winston this year. He has the ability. It's all about decision-making with him. It's all about not making the crucial turnover or the horrible play. And he's one for one not doing that so far this season. It was an unbelievable game. There's no way not to appreciate what he did last night. But late career... Major late career changes are hard to come by, so I'll need more to go on. Um, I, I, Hutton, though, forecasted you know the coming of this. I was, I was impressed by that. A, on the Green Bay side, um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, was asked about Lafleur saying it was embarrassing, and he said, "I'll let him choose his words. I'll choose mine." And he said what he <laughs> said. In, in my house, <clears throat> that clip played, and my wife Teresa said, "I don't think he loves it the way he used to." upon hearing his comments and seeing his demeanor. And I was kind of struck by that. Like, she's not fully plugged into it, 
but she knows plenty of Aaron Rodgers from over the years, and she just saw his disposition and, and felt like that. I don't and think he I, loves being there. I mean, yeah. he, was, he, he was forced to stay. I mean, I, we I said that all offseason. I just thought if somebody that's not that plugged into it, having seen him you know, on a regular basis, sees that and feels that, if it's pervasive to her, that's pretty interesting to me. He was harassed throughout this game. He was hit. Let's see. He was hit six times, sacked twice, and the Saints' defense forced him into three turnovers. A couple of them were just – He just it was basically a punt. He I scored mean, he, like 1.2 fantasy points. He threw the ball like 70 points. yards. 1.2 yeah. fantasy yeah. points. <laughs> uh, trust me, I know. I've got him. I've got him. Um, you know who uh, did not score just two fantasy points? Russell Wilson on the road throwing dimes throughout this game in Indianapolis. And I, I thought he did a great job of they were there were some checkdowns, some layups, and then bombs away on some other passes. And the, the dime that he threw to Tyler Lockett on that 70-yard, 68, 69-yard bomb where he drops it in the bucket, the Willie Mays-style catch, that was just beautiful. Uh, That was early in that game. That's Seattle's offense. And here are the Tennessee Titans having to regroup and go and face a a Seattle offense that, keep this in mind, was more explosive yesterday against the Indianapolis Colts than the Cardinals were against the Titans' defense. They averaged one yard more per play than the Cardinals did against the Titans yesterday. It's um, <clears throat> think, think of what the AFC South is going through now. The Titans have to recover from that game and go to Seattle, the hardest place to play in the league, conceivably, the loudest place. And the Colts are playing the Rams, who were outstanding last night. Those are not recovery games. Now, week two is oftentimes a market adjustment game where everybody kind it of is. goes back. to So the Rams conceivably won't be as good. Seattle won't be as good. And the Colts and the Titans will be better. But even so, you know, the Colts, the Colts and the Titans could be better and lose close games to good teams where the Rams and Seattle come back a little bit. Let, let me talk about market adjustment games. If we're going to talk uh, stock market here and, and how things bounce back or they, 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 they go down. Um, it's going to have to be a monumental uptick <laughs> yeah. for the Titans and a monumental downturn for the Seahawks, for the Titans to win this game. Yeah. And these things happen in the NFL. I understand that. But what I saw from those NFC Six West teams spread. yesterday and what I saw Seattle do to an Indianapolis defense that the Titans typically struggle against and that's got a lot of talent on that defense versus what I saw the Titans do which uh, I'm going to be kind here, was a negative eight if you're looking on a scale of one to ten on both sides of the ball. And, yes, that's me being kind about the Titans. I was shocked to not see a double-digit point spread in that game in Seattle next week. It was six and a half, and it's gone down to six. So, Paul, that's in line with what you're thinking about, boy, there's going to be a market adjustment. I'm just looking at that market adjustment, and it's got to be the damn fall of the stock market before the Great Depression. That's going to be the market adjustment for the Seahawks not to beat the Titans. It would be tough to take that six right now uh, on a Monday. Now, maybe by Friday you convince yourself right now that's a hard bet to make. They sacked Carson Wentz three times yesterday in Indy, and they held Indy's offense to four yards per play, which in the grand scheme of things you're thinking, okay, they had a good day. Indy ran 71 plays, and they averaged four yards per play. That's tough to do, and Seattle held them to that yesterday. For, the, for, for comparison's sake, Arizona's defense held the Titans to a little over three yards per play. It was really bad here. It was rough in Indy as well, 
And for those that think, oh, it can't get much worse, I think Seattle's a better team than Arizona right now. Just, plus, just watching plus both games. at home. I mean, uh, you're going to the loudest park in the league. Dolphins uh, with a one-point win over the Patriots, 17-16. New England fumbled the football four times, including late in this game as they were driving. Uh, they, they coughed it up. Damian Harris, uh, again, it was the fourth fumble. That's what Bill Belichick's going to be harping on today. Is life today. any more miserable for anybody in the league than a fumbling running back in New England? That is the kiss of death there. Did, how much did he play after that? Well, it, was usually, the fourth, it was late in the fourth yeah, quarter when he fumbled. Yeah. So next, it doesn't bode well for him playing early next week. Well, there were plenty of, plenty of footballs on the turf yesterday it, in it's, Foxborough. It's also funny that you know so much talk about the, the Crimson Tide matchup between the quarterbacks, and it turned out it was a Crimson Tide running back that decided the game with the fumble uh, in Damian Harris for New um, England. Tua uh, did a good I, job. I was, I mean, so did Mac Jones. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were both okay. It's it just Jones. Jones is poised and patient. Yeah, and which is rare to see in a first. Like he didn't even want the football in his first touchdown pass. And he's the perfect Bill Belichick guy. Anyway, like I'm watching that, and I'm thinking. I mean, if Bill Belichick was an NFL quarterback, that this is would be his reaction yeah. to someone trying to hand him the game ball. I mean, they. They lined it up, starting with that march in once he was drafted. I felt like, boy, this is the perfect Patriots quarterback from a demeanor standpoint, from a, a mindset. And I think he showed that yesterday. But I'm, I'm just not – and I wasn't expecting against these two defenses to be overly impressed with either quarterback. I'm watching that quarterback matchup. I'm not – I mean, as much as you can give credit to someone for not making catastrophic plays in a game, I guess is what you give them credit for doing. But I don't see, at least in the present tense – any game-changing ability from either of those guys. It's basically just don't get your team beat. Yeah, And, and Tua made the one mistake on the forced throw late in the game. Uh, there, Which was there, an amazing interception, by the way. Yeah, on the, the ball on, hit about five different guys yeah. and five different limbs before it It could have been an up. amazing reception. We aren't, we're not even talking right. about this pass uh, with how many people had a chance to catch that football. Um, both teams are leaning on their defense. Miami's defense is tough. They are swarming. They blitzed Mac Jones yesterday. Uh, 46% of all snaps, they brought an extra man. Now, that may just be what they're going to do against rookie quarterbacks, and what you traditionally do is you put heat on them and make them make up their mind quickly um, and try to speed up whatever they're doing, which is already moving really fast. But Miami's defense is going to bring the heat regardless, and, and they did yesterday. They are going to be a tough out. I, I like them. I, I think they're a playoff caliber team. Uh, especially if Tua can, you know, l- limit the mistakes. And yesterday he found his way into the end zone on, the, on that one play. Um, I don't love him, but I, I think what they've got around him is good enough for him to be good enough. What did you think of Trevor Lawrence yesterday? I, I, uh, I was not surprised. It, 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 he wasn't good, and, and his coach certainly wasn't good. But I did like what his coach said afterwards. We've all gotten our behinds kicked. And, and we know what the proper way to, to come back from that is. But that doesn't mean that they're good enough to recover from it. Going back to what I mentioned on Friday. They've got the Broncos, which is a tough defense. I want to give credit to David Culley and the Houston Texans because I, I said Friday, we are going to, if, if the Texans don't come out fired up and full throttle against Jacksonville in week one, when are they going to? He's got that team playing for him. And, and that doesn't mean much in week nine. 
But in week one, with everything that's gone on this offseason, to me, that spoke, a, that, that spoke volumes despite beating a bad Jacksonville team. I think there's a little bit in line with what you're saying, Hut, too. Their entire offseason has been about a guy who hasn't taken a snap in that entire offseason. There's a chance for them to step on the field and say, hey, what about us? Here we are, you know, and we're playing a bad team and we're going to stomp them because we're not as the worst, you know. Everybody presumes we're the worst, but look at us. And, and for a Sunday, they were able to say that. I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think they're very good, but I think it spoke also to, to, to the Jags. The, the Jags have a long, long way to go. Lawrence did for, some nice things, though. I mean, he had that nice touchdown pass to DJ Chark. Yeah, I mean, I thought he looked you know, about what I expected. There, there's going to be some mistakes. He doesn't have a very good roster around him. And you expect some lumps early on. Chuck's a good How player. about this for a stat, though? That's his first regular season loss since middle school. Yeah, it's crazy. Never lost a, a regular season game in high school. His two losses at Clemson were both in the playoff. First regular season loss comes in the first regular season game of his first NFL season. And talk about the coaching part of this. David Coley, great job taking that embarrassment of this offseason and turning that into something positive. Urban Meyer's team looked bad in one game. I don't know what that means because he inherited a bad team, but I didn't watch that game or see anything and think, there's the Urban Meyer stamp on this yeah. team. David Culley There's the Urban Meyer twist team. of the offense. There's the Urban Meyer thing that you're going to get going with this team. I just watched it thinking, that's a really bad football team that has not gotten any better. I'm going to enjoy watching him struggle. Why? I just, I, I'm not a fan of these super controlling college football coaches, and I like watching them squirm when they get to the NFL, and there's a whole bunch of stuff they want to control that they can't. Um, oh, speaking of all those things that Trevor Lawrence, we, we've never seen him do, he's never thrown a three-interception game before. He did yesterday. Even in middle school, or they were not going back that far? I mean, just going based on what they were saying in the broadcast yesterday, he, he has never thrown uh, three interceptions in a game. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what his what his record was in like uh, Pee Wee, Paul. But <laughs> I mean, the guy, the guy I know in, in high school and college was the five star, and uh, we know what he did at Clemson. Uh, he, he barely threw an errant pass at Clemson. So uh, doesn't get easier for them because no. Houston's defense is nothing compared to the Broncos' defense. Well, they brought. I mean, the thing about those young guys, they are going to face the heat. And that, that's what Cully did. They, they, they just brought pressure from different angles. Um, and he's never faced that speed before. Well, he, I mean, maybe he has in college, but for one or two players, not from all different angles. And probably a, a, you know, a, a worse offensive line overall than what he had in college, quite yep. frankly. It was a very good day. Uh, these guys, these first-year quarterbacks can look to next year and say, maybe we'll have – a, a start to our second season like the second-year quarterbacks did because it was a good day for those guys. Two quarterbacks have my full attention. I mean, two really stood out from all of yesterday's games. Is this an all-rise type moment? It's an all-rise. All-rise. rise when we come back? Yes. That is straight ahead How on is it full attention? Kick 360. <laughs> yesterday that have my full attention. The tip of the cap. And guys, I start with Joe Burrow. Mr. Burrow, I give you a standing ovation for yesterday's play Excellent. because it was not pretty throughout this game for Cincinnati, but he's, he's impressed me. He was solid and thorough with his performance. Uh, he plays fast. This guy was sacked five times 
yesterday by the Vikings defense. He was hit seven times, but he stays sharp. He's not afraid to stand in the pocket. He can scramble and use his legs. Oh, and by the way, Jamar Chase is just fine. Five catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. He provided them juice. T. Higgins did as well. He's not nearly as explosive as Chase. We knew that, but came up with some big grabs. And this was three seconds away from being a tie football game. They hit a kick as time expired in overtime. That's a good win. I'm not into Minnesota. There are some people who are into Minnesota. But even if Minnesota is a middling uh, team in that division – I think most people would have thought Minnesota would beat Cincinnati. And so Cincinnati winning that game is a great start to Cincinnati's season. Uh, and Burrow suffered the big injury last year. I just wish, I hate hearing that he's hit that much and sacked that much. Because, he uh, got lit up. Yeah, and he needs to not get lit up. And I'm sure he's doing the best he can to get the ball out. And you saw more of it than I did. Yeah. But, um, he, did he did really well. I'm, just, I'm impressed with how nothing tends to He's just sway guy. him one way or the other with his play. He's a poised guy, and, and that bodes well for him. But he's a poised guy who needs better offensive linemen in front of him. Well, and they can only address so much uh, each year. You know, yeah. they went with the receiver this year in Chase who delivered and had no problem catching it uh, in that game. And then uh, it's, they're going to have to address offensive line, no doubt about it, if they're going to keep him upright. But the, the, it's not just the poise. It is so many people throw the word swagger around, and I think it's used way too much. But there is a level of uber confidence to audible out of a run play on fourth and one where the game is going to be decided. And that's what he did. Mm-hmm. Balls at midfield, th- that is a risky play call. They could easily punt it and almost play for the tie at that point. Defense have been playing well, especially in overtime. And instead, they're going for the win. And he audibles out of a play that failed earlier in the game. They went on a fourth and short to Joe Mixon. He gets stuffed. They see sees the same alignment against the big defensive tackles for Minnesota. He opts out of it, and he's able to hit his third option on the play for a 32-yard gain that ended up winning the game. And then Evan McPherson comes in and, and kicks the game-winning field goal. For a second-year player that had a catastrophic injury to end his rookie year, to make that audible and to go with that and put the game on his shoulders and then to be able to process a stacked line of scrimmage with pressure coming in your face – and hit your third option to win the game, that's special. And good for Zach Taylor. Um, You know, I don't know that the Brown family will be as quick to pull the trigger on Zach Taylor as most of the national media would be. Think about how long Marvin Lewis lasted there forever um, with no playoff success. Um, But still, Zach Taylor would be talked about and talked about and talked about as as needing to go if things don't pan out this year. Uh, That's a good start. For, for Cincinnati in what's going to be a miserable division for them. The Vikings are no fun to watch offensively. And it's for the opposite. Re- it's not, you know, we were talking about Jameis Winston, how he was taking too many chances, right? He just puts the ball in harm's way. Captain check down for a reason in they Washington. They be more fun. They got Jefferson, they got uh, Thielen, and they've got right. a good running back. I mean, they, they can move the, they punted on six of their first seven possessions. And, they, he's, he was captain checked down in Washington. He's the same way in Minnesota where he, had, he completed 73% of his passes. Kirk Cousins is who I'm talking about. He completed 73% of his passes, but he only averaged seven yards per attempt. Yes. I mean, that, that's we, not moving the football very well. And uh, by the way, Trey Hendrickson, the rookie pass rusher in Cincy, got after Cousins. Yes, seven quarterback hits from the rookie. 
uh, yesterday. I also, uh, standing ovation to Matthew Stafford last night. He's 34-14 over uh, Chicago. The Rams win in uh, easy fashion. Uh, threw for 321 yards, three touchdowns. He was just very dynamic in his debut for L.A., and uh, he's immediately going to get the talk. He will be the Russell Wilson of last year. Russell Wilson, after week four, was proclaimed the MVP of the league. That will be Matthew Stafford in 2021. Jay Glazer told a ridiculous story that I find just hard to believe on the Fox pregame show that I saw on Twitter, that the whole Stafford to the Rams thing started when McVay and Stafford vacationed at the same hotel in Cabo. Complete coincidence when the Stafford seeking his own trade window started. What are the odds of that? Well, also, I can't help but watch that and, and hear about that story and think, what a total indictment on the Detroit Lions that he's got his best quarterback rating in the history of his career in game one. Uh, with a, with new scenery in Los Angeles. Um, I mean... Uh, yeah, but hang on. We're giving... We act like he didn't have weapons in Detroit. He played with Calvin Johnson for seven years. I mean, and, and that's there's all this talk about it. they didn't put weapons around him as an offense in Detroit. He played with a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's just a bad place. And that's just my point. Again, not, a, not an indictment on Calvin Johnson, but what an indictment on the organization that even with talent around him, it just never worked to any great extent. And that eventually it was just, well, you know, I've enjoyed most of my time here, but it's time to move on. And then in game one, he comes out and has the best quarterback rating of his career. They scored on six of their first seven possessions. They're going to be really good. They're going to be really, really good. I think we're all looking forward to seeing what they do all year. I came very close to picking them as my Super Bowl team. And, uh, you know, Hutton, we always feel obligated to inject it into the show several times, and it, it goes for everybody we talk about. If they stay healthy, I think, um, I, I think they can do really big things. I, I think this is, uh, you know, we've seen McVay flex his muscles, so per se, his, his brain as a, as a football mind, and now he's got a quarterback who's unlike, I mean, a guy who didn't know that the sun rises in the east. We saw um, – and Jared Goff, by the way, played well in Detroit yesterday. He, he, he was phenomenal. Um, if you had him in fantasy football and you had him on your bench, uh, you, you regret it because he put up like 50 points. That pencil will not stay today. Uh, the, yeah, the pencil keeps rolling off my laptop today. Uh, in Chicago, they're playing two quarterbacks. They, they are picking and choosing when to insert Justin Fields in the lineup right now. But they did a nice job of weaving him in early in the game last night. Uh, and and we saw the rookies play across the league yesterday. We saw it in San Francisco. Trey Lance was in very early in their overall game plan. Is Chicago's defense what it's been, or is Chicago's defense drifting? I, I know the Rams are very good, but I'm not so sure that Chicago's defense is going to live up to what uh, many of us think. Like, oh, Chicago's a defensive football team where fields could be okay if they run the ball okay. Uh, I read one of the, the best analysts, I can't remember which one, saying Giants were smart to make that trade because Chicago's pick is going to be a lot higher than we think because their defense isn't, isn't as good as we imagined. Something, guys, that really jumped out to me yesterday that I, I wanted to acknowledge, uh, Juliette Candela, the young woman who sang the national anthem yes. for every NFL team. At the uh, memorial. That was incredibly well done. And the NFL gets criticism for things that they botch at times. I thought the Steve Buscemi produced piece 
about 9-12 and the meaning of how everyone came together on 9-12 was perfect. And I thought her national anthem, being six years old when her father died in the World Trade Center, was also perfect. With, with the her one name flag, etched behind her. Well, the one flag you could see in the background was on her father's name in the middle. Uh, it, was, it was really cool. Coming up in our number two, college football headlines. The Oregon Ducks winning the weekend. That is straight ahead on OutKick360. Follow the show on Twitter at OutKick360. Hit us up on YouTube and join us live across the OutKick network. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.